Hey Lily, we're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to talk about OKRs. Okay, Randy, you're so excited about this. <laughs> well, I hate to break it to you, but we have talked about OKRs before. Okay, yeah, we have, but today we're going to do it in a totally different way. For the last few months, we've been trying an experiment. We've been iterating. And we've been asking our guests for a bit of advice on a couple of key topics after we finish the main interview. Oh my god, so today's the day. Today is the day. Amazing. So today is when we get to share some of the best advice we've gotten from a range of guests, all focused on one topic. So let's get right into it. Our first person is... Oh, hang on, hang on. Let's do a proper intro on this for anyone who doesn't already know. So OKR stands for objectives, that's the O, and key results, that's the KR. They got their start at Intel back in the 1970s. And fun fact, they were originally called IMBOs, or Intel Management by Objectives. (laughs) And then John Doerr brought them to Google. (laughs) And they got a rebrand, a much-needed one by the sounds of it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so an objective is what you're trying to achieve and the key results are how you measure if you have achieved it. They're typically used quarterly as a way to align people to certain goals. And they're also often used really quite badly. There's a lot of ways to screw them up. So before we jump into good advice, Lily, do you have any favorite anti-patterns for OKRs? Oh, there are so many. What about... OKRs as annual goals? Or how about using them as a proxy for performance review, you know, tying bonuses and promotion to them? Or doing more than like three or whatever, two or three as a t- for a team? Or ooh, how about just cascading them down from senior management? So, well, we could just like do this for the entire episode, couldn't we? But that would be bad. <laughs> So let's hear from my good friend, Storm Fagan, Chief Product Officer at the BBC, who had some great tips. She's going to change Well, I love an OKR, actually. And my secret is to really not try very hard with them. So don't make a massive process. Don't do a massive change management. Don't try and cascade them everywhere. Keep them really simple. Just do three. Keep them focused on strategy um, and just focus on the key results and how you'll measure them. She makes it sound so easy. But I think that's one of the real secrets, no? OKRs don't solve everything. You know, just use them for what they're actually good for, setting up proper North Star for alignment. That's so true, but it takes a special kind of product leader to make that work, and Storm is definitely that. Okay, so let's hear from someone else. Uh, Next up is Todd Olson, Pendo CEO. We use OKRs for years, so I have plenty of experience with OKRs. Look, I think the key is the OKRs have to be cross-functional, or the best ones typically are cross-functional, big initiatives that you wouldn't probably do if they weren't explicitly listed as an OKR, and listing them as an OKR help brings the necessary organizational visibility and priority to them. Or OKRs need to have an owner. 
an explicit owner, not someone who like was voluntold, but someone who raises their hand and actually wants to own it. That's a measure. If we have one that's proposed and no one will own it, it gets killed. Um, I often find too that OKRs, companies have too many. So when you're early, small, one to two, larger, at most three, uh, maybe four sometimes, but but keep a small, discrete set. It's a different take than Storms, but, you know, kind of actually pretty similar and still very practical. Yeah, I really like what he has to say about someone being accountable. That's pretty key. I've seen it go bad plenty of times when no one took ownership of something critical. Okay, so, so far this has all been really positive. I want to hear something different. So let's go over to Petra Willy, who talks about an anti-pattern. Two things. Don't use them if there is no product strategy. That's rule number one. So many companies are using them and there is no solid company vision strategy, product vision and strategy, and that's not how they're supposed to work. So don't. And the other secret is just like, go by radical focus in all formats and then just like reread, listen to it or whatever before your OKR season to not make it an OKR season. Shout out to Christina. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> in case it wasn't clear Petra's referring to Christina Volke's book Radical Focus which is like the OKR Bible and while we have actually talked to Christina we purposely talked to her about everything but OKRs which isn't all that helpful for this episode but it makes a ton of sense I mean no framework or approach will help you if you don't actually have a strategy Yeah, OKRs can be a strong communication tool, but that's useless if you don't have anything coherent to actually communicate. And that feeds really nicely into what Nicholas Gemetta and Kalsambi Manjita have to say on the topic. And I had another cracking question. (laughs) I I have used OKRs and do use OKRs again to varying degrees of, of success over my career. I think now pretty successfully. What I found makes them work well is to build them in collaboration with my stakeholders. If running collaborative Miro workshops where you talk about your objectives and you talk about your key results together is incredibly powerful because, first of all, it allows you to figure out if there's a gap. And if there's a gap, then you can start to figure out why there's a gap, where the misalignment is. And over time, you can start to align the OKRs you might not get them to be identical but you can get them into a place where they're at least complementary and I've certainly worked in organizations where we haven't collaborated on on OKRs and you wonder why the, the problems that you get from your stakeholders aren't the problems that you're hearing from the customer. Is anyone else totally ready for Mind the Products London Conference happening in October? If you've been before, you're probably feeling a bit like me, desperate for your MTP fix. And if you're new to it, this is the product conference not to miss. If you're a product person looking to advance your career, expand your network, get inspired and bring the best products to market, then this is for you. So what can you expect? Well, MTPCon is known for their epic lineup of speakers, renowned product leaders with invaluable insights and tactics to share. 
They cover a range of exciting topics that will challenge and inspire you to step up as a product manager, always with something tangible to take away into your own product practice. And this year is a pretty special one too, as it marks a decade of MTPCon, so I'm expecting cyan-coloured cupcakes for sure. You can go fully digital for the two days, or with a hybrid ticket, you can go digital on day one and in person at the Barbican in London for day two. Very cool. Find out more and book your ticket at mindtheproduct.com forward slash London. So I've seen OKRs really go all right. And I think uh, the, the reason is because OKRs a lot of times focuses only on the outcomes. Outcomes are important, but when you have a lot of, uh, you know, young folks in your team or even sometimes, uh, you know, people who have not, not very sure about how to really get to the outcome, right? So the inputs to the outcome are equally important. And in fact, like Amazon and uh, Jeff Bezos, they really speak a lot about input to your uh, action and your plan uh, leading to the outcome. Um, so uh, my take on OKRs is that if you are unable to spend that time uh, with your team and with uh, people that you're mentoring to actually help them iterate on the inputs that they need to put in to get to the outcome, then OKRs can really fall flat. That's important stuff. Objectives and key results don't come out of the ether fully formed. They're a great way to force people at the leadership level to have some strong alignment conversations. And then you can't just, you know, cascade them and walk away. It's really critical that the people doing the work to hit the OKRs are fully consulted and brought in. Sometimes the OKRs even start at the team level and then are endorsed by leadership. And that, that can be really powerful. And I think Roshi Proven builds on that. Um, I don't have any secrets. If anyone else has secrets, they can tell me. Um, I would say that we are still working on them being right. But I would say don't go into OKRs before you have uh, looked at the core functioning of the teams and make sure that they're sort of happy and working at a good cadence. Because if you try and introduce OKRs without that cadence, you are going to get yourselves in a tangle immediately. Yeah, she does. That's a great way of putting it. Okay, let's get into another approach. Janice Fraser is not a fan of OKRs, and that's okay. Are you okay with negative answers? Okay. I am not a fan of OKRs or V2 moms or OGSMs or fill in the blank. Uh, I've been part of several organizations that use them as goaling mechanisms. And I do think goaling mechanisms are important, but I have never seen specifically OKRs or V2 moms drive clarity. Uh, and I have seen them become very, very complex, so complex and unwieldy that they were no longer useful in any way. And that means that they just become a burden. They're time consuming to make. You burn time and social capital trying to gain agreement. Um, in the process of trying to gain agreement, they become really broad um, or unnecessarily specific. And so I find that to be really troublesome. Um, so instead, I really look to an outcome-oriented roadmap. I think that cascading intent is an important concept. 
And cascading intent is borrowed from the military. And what it really means is that it started with commander's intent. And we're not in a command and control environment here. So if we combine the idea of cascading intent with outcome-oriented road mapping, what we get is we all know what the outcome is that we're aiming toward. And all of us can take the necessary and sufficient you know, subordinate outcomes, smaller outcomes to achieve that result. And we can do any means of activities or uh, deliverables in order to get there. So what we want is to have maximum flexibility in how we get there, but we all want to be moving in the same direction. So I really rely on an outcome-oriented road mapping to create autonomy um, within a team and to uh, keep everyone focused on the same uh, results. Yeah, I'm totally here for that. It's worth remembering. OKRs are only one tool that's available. Not everyone should be using them. We haven't answered one basic question, Randy. Do you actually use OKRs? I have. And I mean, I do it slightly wrong in that I try to focus on one business OKR for a product manager, plus one personal goal and one goal for team improvement. The hardest part to getting it right is maintaining the focus to check in on each of these regularly and hold yourselves to it, which I have to admit I haven't always been successful at. What about you, Lily? Yeah, we do use them at Bauer Collective, and I've used them in other companies too. I think all this advice and experience really resonates with me, and reflecting often on how you're using OKRs is really important to ensure they're achieving what they're meant to achieve. Okay, there's one more person we need to hear from. Not for his advice, unfortunately, but you and Jason Knight had some fun speculating about what happens if you use OKRs badly. If we go back to OKRs at any point, I'm going to be very keen to focus on doing them properly because otherwise Christina Woodkey will tell me off. <laughs> a little name drop at the end there. I like the idea of uh, looking in the mirror and saying, Christina Woodkey, Christina Woodkey, Christina Woodkey, <laughs> three, three times. And she <laughs> comes in and tells you off all your binary OKRs. <laughs> don't put it past her <laughs> well she, she she is ultimately powerful and with that we're done oh that was fun you know we've got two more of these lined up on different topics that we'll share over the next few months and if you have a topic you'd like to suggest for us to do in the future just shout and let us know what you think of this different format see you next week The Product Experience is the first and the best podcast from Mind the Product. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith, and me, Randy Silver. Lou Ron Pratt is our producer, and Luke Smith is our editor. Our theme music is from Hamburg based band POW, that's P A U. Thanks to Arnie Kittler, who curates both Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and who also plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. You can connect with your local product community via Product Tank, regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide. If there's not one near you, maybe you should think about starting one. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank.